0: We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly Din, Dilly Dong, come on. It's a Sherringham and so charming.
1: I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kerning.
0: Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Curnine. Joining us today is Sammy Lander. This was an interview that we did with APFA. The full interview is on the link below. Association of Professional Football Analysts. Please check it out. You will love this. Sammy was a substitution coach with AFC Wimbledon in the 2019-2020 season. He talks about his experience as a substitute coach he also talks about the role itself and the potential opportunities to focus and be a bit more deliberate in that area for coaches at every level. Excited to hear what you think. Again, full interview is available for free on the APFA website, apfa.io. Create a free account, go in there and check it out. Here's Sammy, enjoy. Thank you, folks, for joining us today. Modern soccer coach teaming up with APFA on the Friday chat. So we're trying to make this uh, a regular event and we are delighted to be joined by Sammy Lander today. Substitution coach, Sammy, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Thank you very much for
1: having me, Gary. I'm um, really pleased to be here and excited to chat some football and answer some questions around the niche topic of subs. Brilliant. Nisha is one way of saying it. There's a very unique, I was telling
0: a couple of coaches what I was chatting about this morning and the initial, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that uh, to be the reaction that, that <laughs> you get when you say that. First question for you, Sammy, which I suppose is one that you've been you've been asked quite a few times. When you're in a club as a substitution coach, what does the substitution coach do all week? <laughs>
1: Yeah. So um, it's, a, it's a very valid question. And uh, I think it's some that often people overthink a little bit because they're thinking you only really have a sub potentially on a game day. So what does he do for the other six days? Um, so the, the probably key word in that title is subs coach. So so you're part of the coaching team. So so you take on a role within training, whether that just be doing the offsides and calling dodgy one every couple to see the player's reaction or working with the with the other 11 and when I was at Wimbledon, it started a little bit like that because we weren't sure ourselves maybe how it was going to work, you know, Monday to Thursday, Friday, I come in a little bit and Saturday a little bit more relevant. Um, and it sort of progressed, so we almost got to a stage where if players, because obviously depending on physical loads and we were playing Saturday, Tuesday, so you'd have games and all players would train at different moments and lengths and times and all that sorts of things. So we got to a stage where there was opportunities for me, even if it was just to assist or, or lead or suggest. The groups that players of the groups of players that weren't potentially playing the most minutes and were my finishers, um, I would get involved in coaching them and, and having a say in maybe the drills that we could prepare for them. Um, so the best way to phrase it is, I'm effectively a coach, you know, just like a set piece coach, is really you could argue only relevant at set pieces, but he plays his role throughout the week of. Helping with the analysis, helping to muck in with analysis meetings, opposition analysis. So, yeah, while I was probably most relevant and busy on on a Friday, Saturday, it was my job to just be in and around it as a, as another coach from from Monday to Thursday almost. Yeah, that's what I thought. I, I didn't think you'd be like the Grim Reaper walking around everyone. If he
0: talks <laughs> to me, I'm going to be sub on a Saturday, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, but you, you mentioned before we start recording about that passion for the grass. So this is something that in your development pathway it's not something that you've grown up and said this is an area i want to specialize in you've done quite a few roles
1: in the game so far yeah so i mean my ultimate goal is to be a first team coach head coach um gaffer do you mean that that's where my dream is my goal is and um and i needed something to put me on the map and um i sort of have this little book at home which is full of all these ideas that i think that i want to try and work in football and and try in football to get results and, and experiment with and one was just subs one was it literally just was subs and i just thought all right well during lockdown i got a bit bored and i was like how can i roll with this and um yeah so the subs coach is is almost a bit of a, a divert route to where i want to end up but but it's given me the platform so that i can now go and meet these great people and and work alongside some some really cool clubs and um yeah, expose myself to those environments as well. Let's go back there to the lockdown and you're saying there that this is, you know, a lot of
0: people had projects, some went to build a shed. You've gone and, and created this <laughs> role and a pathway, which is fantastic. How did you move that into, you know, communicating
1: the coaches and trying to put the theory into practice? It was a real snowball. It was a real snowball. So it started by me being named as a player because we went through COVID and they had to, furlough some players which is where you almost couldn't afford them so you had to put them on like a non-contract so we were running out of players to name on the bench so you know I was the best of a bad bunch in the coaches so you know I got next I get a name as a substitute and um, there was one game where the gaffers turned around and he's gone are you ready to come on and I was like oh my god like no way I'm nowhere near ready Do you know I mean I'm snacking on jelly babies I'm in my big bench coat I'm, I'm tuned into the game because I'm still doing my coaching role but in terms of watching our pressing shape and going to carry out our pressing shape is two very different things. Mm-hmm. So then I started thinking well, I've had this at field. I'm sure there are other people or players that, that, that might feel like this going through this experience. And it was a case of going, right, well, physically, how do I feel psychologically? How do I feel? And then almost a sort of, like I said, snowballing the, the different parts of the concept into something that then can almost benefit these guys as well as the coaches. When you're looking at skills, obviously, like, again, we started talking
0: about uh, different types of coaches before we started recording. And the head coach is an environmental person that loves the culture and the energy that goes along with that. Um, analyst might be a different set of skills, maybe a bit introverted with personality types. What's the personality type of a of, or the skill set or the most important skills for a substitution coach?
1: Yeah, it's a great question and I think you've got to have a real balance. You've got to have the analysis side of things. Well, I'm I'm quite comfortable with data. You know, I've almost created my own metrics, um, you know, that, that clubs will now use to to, to analyse the effectiveness of these substitutes. So I've got to be quite comfortable working with all these numbers and within sort of like brackets and that sort of thing. Um, but then you also have to be emotionally intelligent enough that when a player is down, you have to observe that behaviour and recognize not only how's the best way to, to maybe keep him motivated, but the best way to help him as a person because it's a transition in a career that that not many footballers I don't think ever manage is going from a starter to, to a sub um, or a finisher. I don't think it's ever managed. So you've got to have both, really. You've got to be a coach, but you've got to be analysis and you've got to have that nice blend, really, which is something I think the game is is going that way. I think it's developing that way. You're seeing a lot more... Coach analysis now that team that seems to almost be a role in football. So it's that blend of someone who can be comfortable enough with data, but but you know, understand the person behind that data as well. Brilliant. Alex Ferguson has a has a great quote about
0: when they're talking about the introduction of psychology and how they should bring in this coach and that coach. He said, For every coach you bring in, you bring in another opinion, which I think it's a great way of putting it that not every, you know, you have to manage this as a head coach environment when Mm -hmm. we're looking at reviewing and evaluating roles from a game standpoint, how do you evaluate the, the impact or the performance of a substitution coach? Um, The substitution or the substitution coach? The substitution coach.
1: So it's, it's tough because every club I've gone into, someone values a different part of the concept. So, I've been into clubs that love the psychological side of things and they love that there's someone who's going to be there to help lift these players up and motivate them and make them feel loved and empowered and all these buzzwords that you want these players to feel. And it allows then the manager and the assistant coach to focus on potentially the 11 starters or, or the opposition. Um, but I've also been into clubs that, that are you know, mad about the data side of things or mad about the physical side of things. So the way that, obviously, in answer to your question, the way that... You, you're judged is what the club wants. So, for example, if the club wants the psych side and they want their players to be happy, then they're probably going to judge the role of a sub coach on whether those players that are being left out, whether they're mentally engaged, whether they're feeling empowered, feeling motivated, having what I call a we not me culture. Um, and that's something I'll be judged on. Obviously, for different clubs, there's different ways that you can sort of analyze the effectiveness of it. So, in answer to your question, it depends on a little bit what the club want from the role because there's so many concepts, so many parts of the concept. Very interesting. Very interesting. Whenever you're going
0: through the process, then, you know, it's almost that I would imagine you've seen a demand for this here area of the game and, and you've embraced it and you've created solutions for that. That's usually how innovation happens. When you look at the, the top end of that and you see the demand for it, you you I'm assuming you see mistakes in how are overlooking coaches are overlooking certain things. What would you say coaches are overlooking or or mistakes coaches are making w- with their substitutes?
1: Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think um, I think I don't know if it's a mistake as such, but I think it's almost the not the the not being aware of it or the or the not being deliberate with it. And I always say the biggest word for me is the more deliberate you are with something, the more consistent and the more effective that thing will become. And, and that's all that i'm doing with substitutions is i'm finding ways to be deliberate with how you're using them and um i went into a club way way back when i first started the concept uh a non-league club and i went in and i said do you know w- what do you do with your subs you know a what do you want from them and b how do you do it and the best thing is that they said is they sub with a hope they don't ever really sub with an idea or sub with a plan and and because because there's so many external factors in a game of football you can't ever really control or predict how it's going to play out you can have probabilities but it's never certain so when you're subbing they're looking maybe going one nil down and they're going chuck a striker on and let's hope he does something and and it's that changing the narrative and that perspective and going well how about rather than chucking that player on how about we deliberate with you know be deliberate with the player that we want to introduce so let's look at certain aspects of this player's performance and see if he matches this game
0: we'll just take a quick break here coaches we are excited to start a new partnership with nl tactical boards never lose tactical board has created a product to allow players to understand the game better it's a double-sided dry erase board no lose magnetic technology you will never lose another magnet again it's a guarantee (laughs) mine is arriving this week and then i'll do a demo on it on the youtube channel modern soccer coach on youtube check that out it'll be coming up in the next couple of weeks nl tactical board they're also offering modern soccer coach listeners 20 percent off all their boards until march 31st use the code msc20 msc20 NL com. check it out take advantage of the offer brilliant product and excited to team up with them thank you Fantastic. All right. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has, has talked about maybe one of the best subs of all time, by the way, um, has talked about visual training for getting ready. And and a, a big thing that a lot of coaches over here in the US that work in the college game, they want their players to be engaged to the whole game. And I go back and forth on that there, to be honest. And, and maybe it's because I'm getting a bit older. I wonder if... A sub needs to be engaged from the first minute. If a sub needs to be seeing everything, and that, they're... what's your views on that from a from a psych and a physical and, and a tactical as well? Does this in your mind? Does a does a sub need to be you know from the first minute of the game?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think they do. In my opinion, yeah, because they've they've gone through the whole process that the starters have, where they've sat in the opposition analysis, and, and we've told them how they're going to attack, how they're going to press, how they're going to defend. And how they might lock out. You know what I mean they're those four things? So, as as a substitute or as a finisher, you're now looking and going right. Well, did the coaches get it right? And if I come on at any given moment, because that that's how a substitute has to think, is that it could happen at any moment. You know, we we had a situation at Wimbledon where we had a, we had a player get sent off in the 34th minute, and typically, you know, it was a it was a defender as well. So not only defenders not really come on as substitutes; they're the least substituted position. But but even less so in the first half. So you you know the, the chances of this is, is tiny percents, but it happens. And so this player was ready to go. He had his shinies on. He had his shirt on ready. He knew he'd been watching the game. He get so the transition into that game of football for him was so much easier than I see a lot of other first half substitutes because most I think I think there's like a common theme where people don't really think it's their job in the first half. You know, what I mean it's almost like I've got forty five minutes off here, which is cool. You know what I mean? So I can sit back. I talk to me mate. Um. I know one of the lads on the opposition team, so I'll go down when he goes down and chat to him, and and then I'll come back up. And but but having that player engaged in the game of football means that when they come on, they they're in the rhythm of it. They, they're going to be problem solving themselves because we're identifying and chatting about the problems on the touchline. And I think trying to relate it to most things, but I just think when you're when you're engaged in that game of football, that transition, which is probably the key word there, is so much easier when you're aware. Of of who you're coming up and how they're playing whether it's true with what us as coaches have delivered to you and and yeah that transition is i think what the difference between having a, a sometimes a good first five minutes and a bad five minutes as a substitute
0: very good very good uh, alongside that then michael's put in the chat room and i think this relates to w- uh, what we're talking about what's your thought then on the subs warming up them with the team uh, do you think they
1: should you know you should warm up the collective or should the subs be doing something different by themselves yeah so it's again it's an interesting question that from from michael and i think i've been into two clubs specifically that i can think of now who did it in completely different ways and i don't think one is right and wrong i just think you as a coach have to adjust to it so there was one where they all came out together and they warmed up and um they did the, the technical drills and they did the possession and they were outside players in the possession. And I, I enjoyed it because I think from a cohesive point of view, you're really involved in everyone. It's a really we not me again culture and they're involved. But what you might be doing is taking touches away from the starters, you know, so they then, are you then, there's no way to sort of numerically value this, but are you taken away from their readiness? And, and the other thing is if those players come in disappointed, are they coming into the possession game with the intensity that you think that these starters need to go and win the game? So there's, there's considerations. And I've also been at a club where the starters would come out and um, the, the, the finishers would stay in for an extra five or ten minutes. And then they would come out and have their own warm up. And um, that's probably a little bit more ex- like excluded from the environment. But when they come out, they're having their own warm up. They're getting a little bit more of attention. Um, they can have maybe a little bit more of a fun rondo than such a possession game because they might not be coming on um, from minute one so I think are strengths on both I think the way that I lie is probably having one out together because I think um, I think there are more positives to that and I think in the longer term um, that there's more benefits of having players come out together but in answer to your question Michael I don't think there's a a right or a wrong. I think it's your preference as a manager, and I think you, as coach, then just have to adjust yourself to make sure that everyone's capable. Whenever the game is going on, and
0: that was a great, great little piece there. You're talking about it. You might get soaked in in the first five minutes, so that awareness has to be there all the time. And how much communication would a substitution have? A coach have with substitutes from almost
1: kickoff onwards. Yeah, so I'll be on the bench with them. So I'm part of that process. I'm in the dugout. We're talking about the game. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you're chatting through, oh, I wouldn't have done that, or he needs to tuck in, or wow, their left back's coming in so narrow. We need to really stretch that, or the movement, the spaces. You just pick up and you chat around the game, and it's something that when I started at, at Wimbledon particularly, um, that it didn't necessarily happen so much. But the more I was on the bench, the more that those conversations would be happening. And um, yeah, and I think it, I think it's such an in, an important part and and something that's grown from the role that I've done. But you also have to know the players, I think, a little bit. So there would be certain players who would take those conversations upon themselves, and there would be players who sometimes you needed to instigate the conversation in order for them to then commit to it. And it's again, it's just recognising what six or seven you've got along with you, and and how to best sort of engage them in that game that's going on in front of us. David Strickland's asked a good one. Um, preference on this subs staying out versus subs coming in during halftime. I'm massively sub staying out. Massively oh wow! Sub out. Yeah, I think I think there's so much more value. Again, I don't think there's I don't think there's a right or a wrong. I think there's a better and a worse. Uh, so I don't think it's ever black and white. I, you know. So I think when subs stay out, you can do so much with them. And you get, the, you get the use of the pitch, which during the halves you don't. You have to be really restricted with what you do. So you get the use of this pitch for 15 minutes, and I think you've got to make those 15 minutes count. I don't see any value, or I don't see much value, in potentially players coming in and sitting, being part of the team talk, when the team talk is based around what those 11 players have done, and it's not included what the substitutions have done. So I, I think I am massively sub out. I don't think that them coming into a changing room and then sitting down for 15 minutes is of benefit to them because they haven't really fiz- have done much physical output in the first 45, so they don't need that rest. I think that they should go the other way and now go and get that physical load in their legs to try and prepare them. Brilliant, brilliant. In terms of effective processes,
0: something that I'm very, very curious to find out, is there a, you know, you see it all the time on TV, sub coming on. Assistant Coach got the nice graphics and going through it. Is there a, is that still an effective way? Do you think there's a better way or an alternative way, or what's your thoughts on that?
1: I think it's important to know how the player learns because I'm very much someone who's a visual learner. So if I were to get to the front of a, of a the dugout and then have the manager maybe tell me six things he wants to see from me, my recall is probably only bringing one or two in because I've got the adrenaline in the crowd anyways so for me I'm very visual so when you talk about the set pieces that's something that's now developed isn't it that now people have graphics and they're showing them where they can be and should be and stuff so I think it's going the right way um, I think I've also seen a club in the Premier League use clips so they actually have the iPad and um, obviously live code in the game so they actually showed them clips which really helps again that transition for a substitute to come in Um, so I think there are different methods that you can do it and I think knowing your player is important Um, all I would say is that I wouldn't rush the substitution I think sometimes managers can go around and say are you ready the player then goes yeah because he wants to get on even if he's not ready and within a second 50 seconds that player is from there to in the game of football so the amount of information that's passed through him in that process is, is almost information overload so I think having players ready allows you again i use the word transition transition them into that game easier which is what when i've asked players is what they said they struggle with
0: yeah just on that and michael has has put a question about the about the physical you know the exercises that they're doing uh one of the questions i had for you i read one of your old quotes that was about basically how some players underestimate undervalue or just underprepared when they're kind of half doing their stretches and their, you know, and listening to a bit of crowd and watching about the match. Uh, is, that a, is that another area that you're, are you more specific
1: about being better at it or, or do you have alternatives at it? I guess would be my question. Yeah, so we, I think both. I think we want to be better at that that um, part of the game. And, and the way that we've done that is by finding alternatives to try and keep them physically engaged and physically prepared And almost like topped up, maintained is the word I sometimes use so that you're never raring to go, but you're enough that if the game was to break down and there needed to be a change that you would be ready to go on. Because I always say, like, if I asked you right now, Gary, to get up and and hit your top speed and you've got 10 seconds to do it and if you don't do it, the, the runner you're tracking might be going to score, that's a huge demand to put on someone who's just been sat still for an hour. So you need to almost break those little trends of, slouching and, and, and getting comfortable and keep engaged with the game, both mentally and physically. So I, unfortunately, I can't reveal too much. But but yeah, we, we've managed to find some ways that I've suggested to clubs that I've worked with that you can do down the touchline and other things like that to keep them physically engaged and topped up. Brilliant. Uh, Nanny's
0: asked, this is a great question. Has there ever been an instance where, or would there be if there has? Because I don't think there would have been. But if there is, uh, let us know. Or would there be that you would go to a head coach and say, listen, chop that change.
1: He or she is not ready to go on at this moment in time. Yeah, uh, I would say no, because I would say my role is only ever advisory. I would never be telling the manager what to do. You know, that's that's way above my pay grade. And at the end of the day, while, it, you know, every manager I've worked with values my opinion, it's never a you've got to do this it's never a, it's never an order it's an opinion it's some advice so um there have been times where I've probably suggested something and the manager might not have gone with it but but that's because um you know the way that they see the game will be different to the way I see the game and and that you know that the beauty of football is that there's a game of opinions so you know it's all down to the individuals and the, the person who's on the opposite side of the route might have done something completely different again so. Um, yeah, the roles advisory, so I've never been in a situation where I've advised or told someone to go and make a specific change. You might suggest one and, and they'd listen, but but ultimately they'll go with their knowledge because, you know, they, they probably have a greater understanding of the whole, you know, what they're looking to accomplish, thinking ahead, minutes and all these. Sort of, they'll have a lot more considerations than I would. All right. End of the fun stuff now and then I'll
0: take some questions. Uh, managing people. Now, something that I find out obviously, a player that's is on the bench on a Saturday is going to be annoyed, and you've got to manage that whole situation. And I I understand that, and I think that's been pretty consistent since I've started playing the game. Hmm. Something that I'm seeing, uh, to, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Something that I'm seeing happen more and more. We know the Ronaldo stuff, and you've talked about Ronaldo and the and the. Well, I, I actually think that. It's also happened to players who have really, really good attitudes and and managers that are really... You know, it's easy to say Ragnik can't handle Ronaldo. Ten Hag can't handle Ronaldo Mm. when this year... So I'm going to show a clip of Aguero coming off the pitch. My question is, do you think coaches should... You're taking a player off. You know that player's going to be annoyed. Do you think a coach should always try and shake hands
1: with that player? Um, Yeah, I think it's a nice sign of respect or a sign of well done or a sign of positive reinforcement, which is something I think doesn't happen enough in football. I think positive reinforcement is something, you know, there's enough people out there to tell you in football when you're doing something wrong. Um, But I think when something's going right, there's not enough people to tell you that. So I think it's it's just as important that that comes in. yeah, no, I think about it, I, I mean, I've always done it, you know, it's a sign of cheers mate for your efforts, like I appreciate you, you know, thanks, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a way of showing that without maybe saying that, so that you can still focus on the game. Um, but I think it's a nice gesture, yeah, but I think you've also got to understand sometimes that, you know, managers are in these, in these you know, almost trance with the game, do you know what I mean? Where, let's say they're even losing and, and it's like, right, how can I fix this problem? And sometimes I think it's easily overlooked where they f- sometimes might forget about that. And it won't be, I don't think it'd be on a malicious, you know, note. It would just be the fact that they're so consumed in the game that's going in front of them that they want to make sure that they get it right. And that, you know, the sub's gone on to the right position or passed on the information that he's asked him to or, or something. And I think, so I think it's a good thing that it happens. But I don't think if it doesn't happen that there's always necessarily like much behind it or a malicious way, you know, it might be the, he goes to the bench, and all the players, and the subs coach, and the goalkeeper coach, and the analysis and sports science, and physio all high five him, and and they show him the appreciation.
0: Yeah, I think it's really interesting because sometimes I look at it and think you're better off just letting that one go. Cameras are obviously going to be on you, right? The highest level. Mm. Waited two minutes, and you just went over to the player and said, "Hey, great stuff." Um, but but another question I wanted to to uh, as a follow up on that. Let's say. You're working with a team. Let's say you are on that bench right now as a substitution coach. That's happened. You could see Mikel Arteta step in as an assistant and try to manage it. Would you as an assistant, as a substitution coach, would you talk to the player? Would you wait? How would you manage a situation like that?
1: Yeah, it's another good question. And I don't want to sound like I'm on repeat, but it's knowing the player is important. There are some players who don't want to be touched or talked to. Um, I don't want the arm around the shoulder because they need to cool off themselves. If they disagree with the substitute, um, you know, I've had, I've seen enough substitutes come off and go. Wow, like I give it a great seventy minutes, but I'm spent. I'm out. I've emptied my tank. It's time for the new, you know, new winger to go on. So I'm going off the situation that they've been annoyed um, about coming off. Um, so knowing the player, because there are some players who like the whole sympathy and and listen, I understand you and and, and having that relatability with them. Um, and so, yeah, but that, that that has happened. You know, I have had that in my role where, so for example, I use the situation I used earlier where our centre-back got sent off. We had to bring in a defender on, which means we had to sacrifice a forward player to make that happen. We bring a forward player off inside 23 minutes of, of a first half. They're going to be annoyed, aren't they? Because they trained a week and they've been trusted with a start and they've only been given 23 minutes of that start um so they're naturally going to be annoyed so they come off and in this case the player didn't want to be talked to they just wanted their own space to process what just happened and then after the game once the whole sort of situation had been processed we had a chat and he we talked about the the reasons as to why that happened and he completely understood because you know most most players are people as well so they have that human element where you can you know appeal to them and and explain things and that, that situation was then easily avoided but i think Yeah, I think when there's a lot of emotion on the game, those reactions can sometimes be heightened.
0: All right, coaches, thanks so much for listening. The full interview with Sammy is available on APFA.io, the APFA website. There's lots of free content on there, and there's also opportunity with analysis courses and webinars that you can check out. Highly recommended. Really excited to team up with them. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast.